Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. So Easter, well, I guess in 2,000 years, we do get a few traditions. There's another tradition that we did a little bit at the beginning with Ruth, um, but as uh, he has risen, uh, he has risen indeed. So, so could we have a go at that? So if I say he has risen and you reply, he has risen indeed, this will receive, we'll see how we go. So he has risen. He Oh, you're very fast. You're, you're, you're a quick learner. So he has risen. He Isn't that a beautiful thing to say? It's a powerful thing to say and an important thing to say. And so for us as a church, again, you might be visiting, and so today's message, today's service is a one-off. But for us as a church, just to give a little bit of a background, we've been on a seven-week journey over Lent, an eight-service journey, um, until we arrived today at Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, knowing that indeed He is risen. Such an important thing. You know, Christians can differ on so many things, and we're probably very aware of what we differ on between churches or denominations or whatever. We can differ on theology, probably and often it's an unnecessary difference. We can differ, differ certainly on, I don't know, the way you do church or, or some stylistic things or, or some, you know, even, even uh, historical things. Um, but one of the things that Christians agree on is this resurrection. We come together all around the world today and New Zealand's so great because we started um, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. So whether you're Orthodox or Catholic or Protestant or whatever are the various, um, you know, sort of spin-offs of some of those things, today you'll be experiencing and celebrating the resurrection. It's the cornerstone of everything that we believe. And so during Lent this year, that seven-week, uh, that 40-day trip up to Easter, we have had a series that we've called Wild and Fire. We've we've had podcasts that we've called And, and we've we've tried to sort of you know piece by piece work our way through to this day today. And if you've missed that, that's fine. It is on our website, and you could go through it even retrospectively if you'd like to. But over that time, we've gone wide, and we've hopefully also gone deep. Um, we've wandered in the wilderness with Jesus for 40 days, because that's what he did. And we've also wandered in the wilderness for 40 years with the children of Israel, because that's what they did through to get us through to today. We've experienced something of that. We've felt the absence of God this uh, season, um, 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament and what that meant. And just on Friday, the absence of God with the, the blowing out of a candle, the snuffing out of a life, of Jesus who would become so important to us. We've felt that absence. Um, and we've experienced something of the thrill of Christ's arrival as we explored John chapter 1 a few weeks ago. And we've followed Jesus into Jerusalem on a donkey just last week at the beginning of Holy Week. It's been a great, in every sense, a great ride to, to walk through and to come today and to dwell on the resurrection and how that changes everything. And so today what I want to do is I want to, I want to lead you in through very familiar passage, but a long passage that I want to read with, I don't know, some sort of reverence and some sort of thought um, from John chapter 20. And it'll all be on the screen, but you may like to get it in your Bibles or you might like to read it even a little later. But um, uh, uh, read it with me or be aware of it with me. 
Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping in to look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she, uh, and, and, and she wept as she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And in that moment, you know, the candle which had been snuffed out, the life that had been snuffed out on that Good Friday, that we observed and, 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 I don't know, rode with, was relit, never, never again to be snuffed out. Smoke, no longer, but light coming into the world. That's the story that we celebrate today. And so to conclude our Wild and Fire series, I want to reflect on the resurrection he is risen indeed. And particularly how it affects us personally, how it affects you and how it affects me because it is an incredibly personal event. The phrase that I love, I hope you will love it, the phrase that I've loved, it's kind of tickled me in a sense as I've thought about this, is this whole thing of little old me in the midst of a cosmic event. I've been thinking about this sort of for the last few weeks and, and the idea of coming here to Easter Sunday. Little old me stuck in the middle of this massive cosmic event. It's been a month, hasn't it, for, for black holes and blackened churches. It's been a month where we've sort of, where we've reflected on something sort of bigger than us. Incredible. Make no mistake, Easter is a cosmic event. Sin is defeated. Death is defeated. 
Eternity is secure, and he is risen. He is risen indeed. It's a big picture, gobsmacking, jaw-dropping, life-changing announcement that's being made as we celebrate or as we come to the garden that we've read about. The apparent failure of the cross has become the total victory of the resurrection. And in the midst of it all, you find Mary. There's Mary coming to the the tomb. Actually, if you look a layer deeper, in the midst of it all, you find you and you find me. You find us standing there in the garden with Jesus, meeting Jesus, knowing Jesus. Let's see how that might be. Let's start with Mary, though. She could be insignificant. She could be somebody that we read over quite quickly. Actually, she's very significant. Yet she was, she was somebody who was present to Jesus in some of those key things that happened in his life. She was there at the tomb thinking she had lost him. They've taken away my Lord. Can you hear a broken heart in that? And he didn't recognize him even when she found him, you know, saying to Jesus, tell me where you have laid him to the gardener who happened to be Jesus. Insignificant perhaps, but I think significant. Confused definitely, but present. And Jesus... Jesus there in the the garden, outside the tomb. Jesus in the garden, while this cosmic thing was taking place, taking the keys of hell and death, we would understand. Conquering Satan, we would understand. Setting the world to right, we would understand. Creating black holes, we would understand. Starting a church that might build a, a magnificent building like that that some of us will have visited if we've been to Paris. Starting all those things, being there, Um, being the light of the world is in the garden and notices Mary. Amazing. Amazing that those two things could happen. And what does he do? Well, he talks to her. He encourages her and he liberates her. This is gobsmacking indeed. And that's what he does to us. Mary makes Easter personal to us. You know, a cross on a hill 2,000 years ago may or may not become personal. Mary <coughs> makes Easter personal to us. Who was this Mary? This is Mary actually on the outside of the, um, of Notre Dame Cathedral. I, I suspect it did survive because it's not a place that could burn, but that's you may have seen that. Mary Magdalene, she's called. Mary of Magdala, sometimes you'll read in your scriptures. Magdala, a little village in the Sea of Galilee on the southwest coast. Um, and that's, that's sort of the way she gets her name. She was a woman from whom Jesus cast out seven demons in, in Luke 8, but she wasn't the sinful woman that sometimes we related to in, in Luke 7. Um, she was not a prostitute. She was not the wife of Jesus, thanks for nothing, Da Vinci Code. She uh, was not even the woman taking adultery, thanks for nothing, the Passion of the Christ. She was uh, a, a woman of substance. She was probably somebody who supported Jesus financially in his ministry, and she was present. If you ever think of Mary, just think of someone who was present, present at the mock trial of Jesus, present when Pilate pronounced the death sentence over Jesus, present as Jesus was beaten, humiliated, and paraded in the crowd. Present as Jesus was crucified when a whole lot of other people weren't present at the empty tomb. And she was captivated by this Jesus and she followed him wherever he might be. And church history would put her down as an apostle, the apostle to the apostles, the one who first preached, noticed, saw, and shared the resurrected Christ. She is a hero. Little old Mary in the midst of a cosmic event becomes little old me 
in the midst of a cosmic event, and I want to suggest becomes little old you in the midst of a cosmic event. And then I think about it, and I think, you know, I think the story tells me that Jesus is here, even if he's not immediately recognizable. And I think that's important to us because sometimes it's like, well, it's all right for the guy at the front or somebody or, you know, to sing these songs, but I may or may not feel that. And I, I think the encouragement of the story is that he's here, even if we don't immediately recognize him. Mary turns to him and doesn't know that he's there. You know, kind of maybe we all do that. Maybe Jesus is our gardener sometimes. Maybe he is closer than we think. Maybe we can look again and see. And it seems to me in the story that one of the keys is that the best place to find him is is to is to find the place that he's most likely to be and I, I would suggest being here is a good thing to be today you know a word or a song or a passing of the peace or a recognition or somebody knowing our names or having communion or hearing hearing a message on Easter is perhaps a place that we could go maybe sometimes he's in the last place you saw him maybe sort of you you, you manage to wander off and, and and maybe returning to the place that you will be but it's a, a, an amazing thing and, and she asks great questions this Mary which teases out and brings out something. Do you know where the Lord is? And maybe those are sorts of questions we could take into our week and take into the things that we're doing and thinking through. And even as we've gone through this wild and fire series, you know, do you know where the Lord is? Where is he? I think it suggests or encourages us that he's close, even if he's not immediately recognizable. And if he's close and not immediately recognizable, he's also vitally interested in little old me, for which I should say little old you. He is vitally interested in this. I love the questions that Jesus asks. Why are you weeping? Can you, can you, can you feel uh, almost the pain for, the heart for, the recognition of this magnificent woman who had followed him through the cross? It, it, can, you, can you feel the sense of connecting with her and who and what she was, entering into her world, the compassion, the love? That Jesus says, or, and, and whom are you seeking? You know, what do you want? He often said, you know, when people would come to him and say, so what do you want? And they would say, and he would become those things. He would, he would move in those ways. A significant thing and an invitation, I think, that he has towards us. Whom are you seeking? And why are you weeping? And then he calls us by name. He calls us by name. He calls Mary by name. And her eyes open when she hears his, him calling her by name. And so today, right around the building, he would be saying, you know, Judy, by name. You know? He'd be saying, Chris, by name. He really would. He'd be saying, Laurent, by name. Alan, by name. He'd be calling us by name. He'd be speaking to us. He'd be drawing us close. And something in that, that would... That would be an incredible thing, even when we don't know him, to hear our name called by him. Being known by a name changes things. We even know that for ourselves. If somebody remembers our name or doesn't remember our name, it means something to us. But being called by name by God, invited by God, um, it opens our eyes. I think it answers our questions, I think. It melts our hearts, I'm sure, and it changes our world. Um, as we hear the name of Jesus, or has hear Jesus call our name. And so it brings us sort of to the end of, for some of us, seven weeks as we've been here and as we've worked through. And for some of us just this morning, and that's just as, that's just as appropriate. But what does Jesus offer little old me this Easter? Which is a very selfish way of putting it. 
isn't it? This sense of, so what does he have to offer? But it's this incredible act of giving that I think that we can tap into and allow him to, to, to deliver, in a sense. What does Easter invite, we could say, to stir in us, to stoke in us, to ignite in us, to reignite, which is the, the theme of our message today, to reignite after something having gone, having gone out. And I've thought about a few words, and, and, and one of these words might be helpful for you as you think about your Easter and as we move into going into the beautiful day and the rest of the weekend and, you know, going camping and taking those extra two days holiday or done and having to go back to work or whatever it is that we're doing. What does Jesus offer little old me this Easter? Well, I, I think he offers inclusion, you know. There's a, there's a great scripture right at the end of, of that that we read where Jesus says to Mary, and she's clinging to him, remember, in verse 17, I think, maybe verse 16, and he says to her, he says, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. I just love that. He's not sort of, I've done my job and I'm off to see the Father, you know, kind of thing, and I'm leaving you behind. I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God, and you are included in this relationship. That's an incredible thing. But what about freedom? Freedom from the things that burden us, bind us, you know, um, draw us back, hold us back, things that have happened to us, things that haven't happened to us. Freedom, he invites us to. A recognition, um, recognition of who we are, knowing us by name as we've talked about. Action, um, and back in verse 8, when a disciple went into the tomb, he was, he was um, uh, oh no, sorry, um, uh, um, Mary was to, to run and tell the other disciples. And then there's the conversion, sort of the disciple in, in verse 8 goes into the tomb, and it says he saw and he believed. There's the invitation of God for us to know that. There's recognition. You know, and I, you know, sometimes on, on Easter Sunday or on a, on a day when you're in church like this, it's an invitation of God to meet him again, to know him again, and to fall in love with him all over again, to reignite that faith. But if I was to choose any of those words, and if any of those words are relevant and important to you, just grab them and work with them and think about them. But I would, I would, I, I would go for the word invitation. I think what Jesus offers me this Easter, and I think what Jesus offers you this Easter, is an invitation. Richard Rohr in his book, uh, wrote a book called The Divine Dance. And in The Divine Dance, it explores this idea, which theologians have been exploring quite a lot, you know, more recent, over the last 10 or 15 years or so, of something that we call uh, perichoresis. Perichoresis is like sort of this um, mutually submissive relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, between the Trinity. And sometimes, in, in somewhat layman's terms, it's called a divine dance. It's a beautiful thing and a beautiful thought. But it's not a distant Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, somewhere out beyond a black hole or somewhere in a cathedral which could never be like sort of, you know, humble shore vineyard, you know, kind of in a commercial sort of building which we've made quite nice as much as that we can, but it's never going to be like Notre Dame. It's not a, it's not a distant, distant God somewhere else that, that kind of blesses or touches or whatever. It's nothing like that at all. The thinking in with this divine dance thing, this perichoresis thing, is that it's not just a, 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 a sort of a way of describing the Trinity, but it's a picture of God's invitation for us to join. That he says, you know, to Mary and he says to us, it's like this is the invitation to join, to, to, to come close, to, be, to, to, take, to, to take advantage of all of the things that I have, that I have made possible through 
going to the cross, having it snuffed out, doing, you know, kind of the, through all of the wildernesses, through all of the, the birth process, through all of the, the life and the teaching and the, the riding into Jerusalem and the crucifixion and then the reignition, that we would be able to experience something of this. I've sort of been reading a book um, by um, a couple of writers called um, Birmingham and Connolly. It's called The Art of Spiritual Direction. And they take up this idea of the dance and they say that in the dance, there are moments when the two, the two dancers, so it's us and God in this context, separate and move away from each other. And if the dance is to continue, the partners have to be intent on turning again toward each other, a swift looking, a refinding, and then achieving grace and harmony again. The invitation of Easter, the invitation of today, is for us to connect, to reconnect, to discover afresh our relationship with God, with Jesus who we may recognize or we may not recognize, but who invites us into relationship like that. I have a great fondness for Mary. I just, I just love this woman. She's real, she's heartfelt, she's really responsive to a new encounter with God, but she's also brave. She faces her desolation and fear by seeking Jesus, even when he is supposedly dead, there she is. And as a result, she's invited into a whole new aspect of this dance. And Mary is me. And Mary is you. That's why she's there, in terms of this morning at least. Mary is me. And Mary is you. Because we are being invited too into a fresh and dynamic relationship with him. What a great day to celebrate something like that. And so we're going to conclude Wild and Fire. And we're going to conclude our Easter service, services by having communion together, which represents the body and blood of Christ. The broken body and blood of Christ, but the resurrected body of Christ. So I'd love you to stand if you would. And you know, if you are from a different church or a different church background, please eat and drink with us. You know, if you... If you would like to be part of our, our family today, um, uh, moving towards Jesus, in a sense, responding to the invitation, then we would love you to be part of that today. So in, um, in Colossians 1, 15 to 20, it says this. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful translation of this. So maybe just close your eyes, and, and I want to read it, and... And then we'll eat and drink together. So we look at the sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and see God's original purpose in everything that was created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes it and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning. And leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. 
From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everyone, everything. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. So Lord, we come to you, risen Jesus. And we come lost or hopeful, desperate or expectant, full of faith or not much faith at all. We come for the 50th Easter Sunday or the first. We come recognizing you or we come never having seen you. We come very current in our relationship with you. We come with a historical relationship with you. We come as we are and we feel invited invited to know you, invited to meet you. And we do that by partaking bread and juice, representative of hope and life, of expectation, of the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.